Well, good morning again, and uh, welcome to part two of this sermon series we're calling Why. And what we're doing basically is we're looking at five big why questions. We call them God questions that people will sometimes ask. Uh, last week we looked at uh, why don't I feel God's presence, and, and uh, that's a real question that a lot of people have, and we looked at that. This week we're looking at why would God let it snow on Sunday? Thanks for laughing. I appreciate that. You're a little slow. It's early. I get it. Um, and, but we're not looking at that. We're looking at um, why doesn't God answer our prayers? Now, I want to ask really quick, uh, how many of you are pulling? I'm, I'm wearing green and navy, you can tell. I'm pulling for the Seahawks today. And I know down in kids' church, our, our kids have all kind of taken polls over the last several weeks of who they're pulling for. So for a show of hands, how many of you are pulling for this? Uh, not a, sh- a, a clap. Let's, let's clap for the Seahawks if you're pulling for the, the Seahawks. Okay? The quarterback is Russell Wilson, my cousin. How many of you are pulling for the Seahawks? Didn't help. Okay, all right, same. All right, just kidding. He's not. Uh, Patriots. How many of you are pulling for the Patriots? Wow. Yeah. Pulling for the Michigan boy. All right, it's going to be a great game. We're excited about that. We're excited that you're here. I've got to ask you, too, I'm wondering to myself last night, who names storms? Because when I think of Linus, I think of this. And that doesn't speak 12 plus inches of snow to me. I'm like, who is the crazy guy somewhere in the booth of the Weather Channel who's naming these storms? Because that's just kind of a wimpy name for a storm. And, and I'll believe 12 inches plus when I see it. We're not there yet. Uh, next week, we're going to look at why do bad things happen to good people. That may be one of the largest questions or biggest questions you, you can Take off. There you go. That's really distracting. Um, He's funny. He's cute. Um, But why do bad things happen to good people? That may be one of the biggest questions that are the most asked questions that uh, people have um, in life. Uh, The next week we're going to look at why doesn't God take away my struggle. Um, A lot of us, almost everybody, I'd like to say we have challenges in life and struggles we sometimes have, whether those come in the form of addictions or whatever they might be. Why doesn't God remove those? We'll talk about that. And the last week is why would God use me? Imperfect, messed up me. And that's a big question. And so we're going to be looking at that one. But today, this, this question we're looking at today is really a universal frustration. Universal meaning I think everybody at some point or time in their life, whether you're here this morning in this room or you're online sitting at home in your Seattle Seahawk pajamas watching this in the comfort of your home in front of a fireplace with a cup of hot chocolate, it doesn't matter. I think we've all been there. Even if you're not a Christian or even if you barely believe in God, and maybe you don't even believe in God at all, but you've come to this point, this struggle, this difficulty in life in which you're just lobbing up prayers, and maybe you've heard people do this. Maybe you've been there before, and it's like you're, you're at the end of your rope. You don't know what else to do, and so you just pray, and it's sort of like to whom it may concern, right? Because you're not even sure anymore, and then it's like if you're up there or, you know, I, I don't know, but if you're there, And you just pour your heart out. And so we're all there. We all have that universal struggle or frustration. No matter what your religious persuasion, no matter what you believe, we've all had those seasons in life in which we ask difficult questions. Those those or we pray those difficult prayers, those those big prayers in our lives, those those moments where we need God to move in a big way. And we've prayed those things. And it seems like God doesn't answer. Sometimes it even seems like he may not even be 
there. And if there were three words in which I'd sum up the struggles that we sometimes have with unanswered prayers to, to describe God, three words. These are the three words, and you can write these in your notes. Sometimes in our prayer life, when God doesn't respond the way we want God to respond, when, when God doesn't answer our prayer the way we want God to answer our prayer, we may feel like God is inattentive, unresponsive, or uncooperative, and late. Inattentive, uncooperative, or even late. Now, let me help you out with that here a little bit here this morning. I want to ask you a question, and I want everybody to participate. Even if this is your first time being at Kirby Church, I'd love to, to have you participate. Even if you're at home, uh, there in your living room, the comfort of your home, just go ahead and participate with us. This would be great. I'm going to ask you, how many of you at some point in your life, you've prayed a prayer, and you felt like God was inattentive, uncooperative or late would you hold up your hand and just keep it up i want everybody to see your hand you felt like god maybe wasn't there in inattentive uncooperative or late okay look around hands all over the place okay now i think we could probably pray and go home because a lot of you have just learned a very huge and valuable lesson that it's not just you right that you're not the only one that going through this life and the struggles sometimes of life that come our way, we can actually believe in God, spend time praying to God, and when God doesn't answer, he feels sometimes inattentive, uncooperative, and late. Now, the reason we feel this way, or there's some of the struggles that, that go along with this, is we'll even have some of our friends who will compound the situation, Right? Because when we might share with our friends the way that we're feeling about our prayer or about our struggle that we're going through, and, and we're just feeling like, man, God's not listening, God is inattentive, he's uncooperative, or God is late, sometimes you'll have friends who will say things like, well, you just need to have more faith, right? And it makes it even tougher. Or, or they might say, well, you just need to pray harder. Have you ever heard of fasting? You know, you, need, you just need to do that. You just need to get on your knees. Or they might even come to that point. I, grew, I spent some time in the South where they would just simply look at you and say, well, you need to get the sin out of your life, right? And they say it with that little hack accent, right? And, and I mean, our friends, people who could be close to us, could even say those kind of things. And that can really compound it and make it even more difficult and what it leans to, in other words, is that when God is inattentive or God is uncooperative or when God is late in our lives, it's our fault. There's something wrong with us that it's working for everybody else. God's working and moving and answering everybody else's prayers, but he's not answering ours. And the reason I wanted you to raise your hands this morning is because I wanted you to see that you're not alone in this. There are moments and there are times where we feel this in our lives, that we're, we're lobbing up these prayers and some huge, some big things, and God's not moving. He's not answering. Now, the other thing that can make it difficult for us sometimes are the people around us, the people that we know, and it just seems like everything's going well for them, right? It's sort of like everything is smooth sailing. Everything's Cadillacs and Corvettes in their world. I mean, like, the, everything's great. They've got a good job. Their marriage is flourishing. Their kids listen to them. They even bring home those stupid little bumper stickers that said they're on the honor roll so the whole world can know it, you know? And it's like, what in the world? And, and their life is just smooth sailing. And you're struggling. And you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you feel like God is inattentive, uncooperative, and late. And then, and then you might run into this Christian friend. Um, 
who would share a story with you, and, and this makes it even more difficult. And I don't know if you've ever ran into a friend like this or not, and when you're going through a tough time and you're pouring your heart out to God and you're waiting on an answer, and it's like you run into this friend and they're like, let me tell you what happened to me the other day. I had to go to the mall, and you know how busy the mall is. And I pulled into that mall and the parking lot was packed out. And I just prayed, dear Jesus, you know my heart. You know my bad knee and my bad hip and my bad back. And you know my schedule and how fast I've got to get things done. Lord, would you just give me a good parking spot? And lo and behold, when I finished praying that prayer, this gentleman backed out. And I pulled right into his spot. And it was the closest spot you could ever get at the mall. Hallelujah, God is good. And you just want to slap him in the next week, right? Because you're not praying about a stupid parking spot, man. You're praying that God will give you a job. You're praying for health benefits. I mean, you're praying for your marriage, or you're praying for a, a child who's wayward, who's, who's walking away from God, or, or you're, you're praying about a health situation that you're facing, and you're pouring your heart out. And it, it makes the struggle happen to where you don't even want to go to church and be around people like that who are talking about their answered prayers. You definitely don't want to sit down in a small group or a life group where people are really opening up about all that God's doing for them because it's not working for you. Because at that point, that time of your life, you feel like God is inattentive, uncooperative, and late. Seriously, these are some struggles that we'll face. And it could be this morning that some of you Several years ago, when you faced a struggle or a difficulty like this or an unanswered prayer, that it's the reason that you've not been to church, that you just stopped going. And this morning, you find yourself here at Kirby. And before you got here, you were telling yourself, listen, that preacher better not get up and tell me some stupid formula of how he thinks it's all, he's got it all figured out and how this is what I've got to do to get God to answer my prayers. And it's just some simple, easy thing because you know better than that. You know it doesn't work that way. And yet you're not willing to give up hope in knowing and believing of a God that can answer your prayers and that can give you peace in those difficult times and that can give you the, the hope that you need to keep on going and to keep on living. Listen, if you have your notes, I want you to write this down because what happens so often in our lives and what's happened in my life I mean, if this message isn't for you, just sit back because it's for me. And all week, this has just been this incredible struggle that I've gone through and just thinking about unanswered prayer in my own life and those moments I've experienced this. But so often what happens when God doesn't answer our prayers is we feel like this. We feel like if God is silent, then he must be absent. If God is silent, he must be absent. If God isn't answering my prayers, then maybe there's not even a God who cares about me, who loves me. And so this morning, man, what I want us to do is I, I want us to look to God's word for answers. Because again, as I said last week, I, we can't just talk about what I think or what I believe or what Oprah or Dr. Phil says. We've got to look to God's written word for truth and for answers in all of life's struggles. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to look at one man's life, one, one man in particular who's an incredible guy. This, this guy loved the Lord, and the Lord loved him. 
God knew his name. He was a faithful servant of God. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about his, his life just a little bit. And my prayer for you this morning, my prayer for myself, is that I hope that we can walk out of here knowing that when we have those moments in the wilderness, when we have those moments when things are tough and things are difficult, when God feels inattentive, uncooperative, or late, that we can know that he's not absent, but that he's present. And that we can know that God is never inattentive. That we can know that God is never uncooperative. That God is never late. And that's my prayer for us here this morning. And so what we're going to do is, um, I, I hope this helps you out. I mean, I love looking at the promises of God. I love looking at the Psalms and reading the, you know, the, the encouraging words that I can find there. But even more than that, I love to see and read about real people. Who, who, who lived in the New Testament and who even met Jesus and knew Jesus and yet had same the, some of the same struggles that you and I have. I mean, for me, that's, that's where the, the rubber sort of meets the road, those types of moments. And so who we want to learn from here this morning and what we want to learn, let me have you write this down first of all, is I hope that you'll leave knowing this. I don't have to associate the difficulties of life with the character of God. As we look at this gentleman in the Bible, as we talk about his life, I hope that you'll walk away understanding that you don't have to associate the difficulties of life. And it sounds so cliche, and you've all heard it so many times, and yet it's so real that life sometimes is going to throw us some difficulties. Just because we're a follower of Christ doesn't mean it's a smooth road and smooth sailing, does it? We're going to have those difficulties, but when we have them, we don't have to associate the difficulties of life with the character of God. So we're going to talk about John the Baptist. You can write that down. I love John the Baptist. What an incredible character. John the Baptist was uh, an evangelist. He was um, a precursor or a forerunner to Christ. He was actually the cousin to Jesus. And John the Baptist, he, he knew the Lord and, and loved him. And, and he basically uh, was out telling this message before Jesus kind of even entered into ministry. He's telling this message that you need to repent of your sins. Because if you're living in sin, you're going to miss out on what God's doing. And God's fixing to do something really, really big. And, and John was this sort of, he was this wild-eyed, rough-cut guy. I mean, he'd make Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty look like Mother Teresa, okay? He was just this, I mean, uh, he was out there, right? And um, he wore animal skins. He lived in the wilderness or, or the desert. He ate uh, wild locusts and honey. I mean, his diet was you know, enough to push a lot of people way far away. Uh, John the Baptist was revered. He was a hero to the common people, to the poor people. They loved him so much because John was so bold. He never held back. He would just speak what he believed God wanted him to speak. And a lot of times that meant even calling out people in leadership roles, high up in leadership. And this caused him some difficulties because people high up in leadership don't, wanna, don't want their sins pointed out in front of everybody. But this is what John the Baptist did because he didn't want people to miss out on the Messiah, on Christ, his cousin the Lamb of God who's come to save or to, to forgive the sins of the world. In particular, one, one leader that he had a struggle with was uh, Herodias. Herodias was Herod's wife. And we can read about this incredible story in Mark chapter 6. We're going to look both at Mark and Matthew. The story is kind of contained in two different books. But in Mark chapter 6, I want you to check this out. In verse 17, look at what happens. It said, for Herod himself, this is King Herod, had given orders to have John arrested 
And he had him bound and put in prison. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, this, this evangelist who's out, you know, leading people to Christ. Telling people to, that they can have their sins forgiven. That Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. He is now in prison. Herod did this because Herodias, his wife, right? Wait a second. It says his brother Philip's wife. This is crazy, right? I mean, this is just nuts. It says his brother's Philip's wife, whom he had married. The dude has married his brother's wife. And look what happens in verse 18. For John had, had been saying to Herod, John's calling him out. He's saying, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So obviously, this is going to cause problems, right? Herod takes his brother's wife, and John is pointing out the sin that they're living in. And so Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. Guilt, sin, shame, all those things that she was feeling was leading her to want to have John the Baptist killed. But she was not able to, verse 20, because Herod feared John and protected him. Remember, John was a hero to the common people, to the poor people. And so King Herod was, was wise enough to know that if he, dis, if he did something to John, because it says that, John, or that Herod feared him because he, he was a righteous, holy man as well. He knew that he'd done nothing wrong. And yet if he had him killed, I mean, it would cause an uprising in, in his kingdom. And he didn't want that to have and happen. And then even more interesting, look at this next part. It said, when Her Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. I mean, this is a strange type of thing, right? King Herod, it, it was puzzling for him to listen to John preach, but yet he just loved to hear him. And so he refused for several of those reasons to have John the Baptist put to death. And so here it is. This is a tough situation. I mean, this is hard for us to fathom. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, this incredible servant of God, finds himself in prison. And John the Baptist, this loyal follower, finds himself at a place where he begins to doubt. Begins to doubt begins to have some thoughts that, that sort of overcome his thinking. And so what John does is he has some friends who visit him in the prison. And he asks these friends, he says, listen, I'm here in prison and I'm, I'm just, I'm struggling a little bit. Because my prayers, man, it's not working. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like God is inattentive and uncooperative and late for me. So would you do me a favor? Would you take a message to my cousin? Would you take a message to Jesus, the one I told everybody about? And would you ask him, now look at this. This is in Matthew chapter 11. This is huge. It says, when John was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? John the Baptist Sends word to Jesus, this incredible question, this huge question. And you've got to imagine his friends were probably thinking, what? Are you crazy? You want us to ask Jesus what? You realize Jesus is probably teaching, right? He's probably in the middle of a lesson because he's out. He is, he is spreading the news. The news you told everybody he was going to do, you know, and what he was going to be doing. And matter of fact, he, we might have to interrupt a miracle. Jesus is doing all kinds of miracles to people he don't even know. And you want us to go and to ask him? And John's like, yeah, you, I, I just need to know. I need a word. You see where I'm at? It's not working for me. 
Would you go and ask him? Now, here's why this is huge for us this morning. And this isn't easy, but this is, this is why this is huge for us. Isn't it interesting that when our circumstances take a sudden change, it could be for the better, it could be for the worse, but when our circumstances take a sudden change, it can change our confidence in God. For instance, for better, it may be that uh, you're a, a young person or a college student and you've got a scholarship and you move away from home and, and, and now you find yourself at a big university and, and all these new classes and all these new friends and everything is exciting and the social life is amazing and the next thing you know, you're not attending a church there because you're away from Kirby and you've not found a church and you don't have a youth group and a youth pastor and, and people who are kind of come alongside of you and, and the next thing you know you're not reading your Bible anymore and you're not praying and, and you find yourself in some classes where some professors are talking about things in which basically try to destroy what the Bible teaches and you find yourself beginning to doubt or lack confidence in God. A sudden change in your circumstances. Maybe it's for the bad. Maybe, maybe things have been going really well for you. And you're serving and you're living for God. And the next thing you know, you find yourself in that tough place. A difficult place. A wilderness or a desert type of experience in life. And all of a sudden, you begin to doubt or have a lack of confidence in your faith in God. You can write this down. You see, when you go through a hard time... I pray, but when I go through a hard time, I doubt. Here's how this works. I see something big or something major happen on TV like the tsunami that hit Japan. Or I see the earthquake that hit Haiti several years ago. And I hear of the death, I hear of the destruction, I see all of that on TV. And I think to myself, those people have lost so much. It's going to take years for them to get by. And I might even pray for those people. I might even pull out my checkbook and write a check to those people. But at the end of the day, when I go home and I lay down at night, I pray it hasn't destroyed my faith. It hasn't destroyed my faith. You see, when, when you go through a hard time, I'm going to pray. But when I go through a hard time, the tendency at times, like John the Baptist, is to have doubts. You can say it like this. You can say, I lose faith when God is inattentive to my happiness, not yours. Wow, that's tough, isn't it? I lose faith when God is inattentive to my happiness, not yours. In other words, when you're going through that tough time, I might even tell you, I might say, man, I am so sorry. I'm going to pray for you, and, and, and I'm going you know, to be there for you, but at the end of the day, it doesn't rattle or shake my faith. But when I go through that season of dryness, when I go through that time of difficulty and I'm not hearing God answer my prayers, I'm not seeing God move and work the way that I want to see him move and work, it begins to erode my faith or shrink away. And here's part of the reason behind that. In a season of pain, in a season of difficulty, we tend to shrink down to the size of only us. The size of only us. Our world comes in until we find ourselves in the four walls of a little prison cell, just like John the Baptist. When I was 26 years old, I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma. 
And Julie and I, uh, this particular night, we were actually off on a retreat. We had 50 to 60 teenagers. We were in Dundee, Oklahoma, and um, at 2 in the morning, man, I, I mean, we were just serving and giving our hearts to the Lord. This was um, our, our third big ministry we'd been in since college, and the church was an amazing church. And uh, we're just serving the Lord, loving the Lord, but at 2 in the morning, the owner of this, this retreat center comes, and he knocks on my door where I was staying, and he he says, man, you've got to come to my house. You've got a phone call from back home. And on the phone was my brother who began to explain to me that my sister had been in a car accident. She was 19. The car that she was in, as a result of a drunk driver, had flipped over upside down. She had been underwater in a creek for about three to three and a half minutes before they were able to pull her out, they estimated. They life-flighted my sister to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So they prayed with me, and I prayed... I got my youth sponsors together, and I got Julie, and at that time we just had, had Carly, and, and so we, uh, we jumped in the car, and we left them, and we drove back, and we packed a few bags, and man, we're praying together, and I'm praying the whole time I'm driving, and I'm trusting, and I am believing in my God that I serve, that I love, that I've given my life to, right, that God was going to show up, and this was going to be something big for God to show off in this situation in my life. And uh, so we, we caught an airplane from Oklahoma City to St. Louis. And when we landed in St. Louis, this was before the time of cell phones. So I had a pager. Some of you know what that is, right? Had a pager on my hip. A phone number pops up when we land. I go to the nearest uh, pay phone that I could find at the time because that was the thing about a pager. You get a number, you had to go find a phone, right? So I went to a pay phone. And it was my dad on the other end. And I could still, it's almost like I was... I'm back there at that moment now. My, my world stopped. It stood still. As I heard my dad say, son, she's gone. And for me at that moment, man, my world caved in. Everything. My, I found myself in the middle of a prison cell on my knees saying, God, where are you? That, that drive from the St. Louis airport to my mom and dad's house, man, that was the longest drive. But I got to tell you, I didn't pray. I doubted. I struggled. In a couple of days, I was mad as a hornet. I was angry with God. Because God didn't come through for me. It didn't work out for me. And so this is what happens sometimes in our lives I lose faith when God is inattentive to my happiness, not yours. Or, or when you're going through the difficult time, it's easy for me to pray for you. But when I'm going through that difficult ta time, that really hard time, and, and I don't understand all that God's doing and what's going on around me, and I feel like he's inattentive and uncooperative, and even late, that I can have doubt. And this is why, for me this week, this message has been such a challenge. Because one of the tough things as a pastor is walking with people through tough times. It's, it's both a joy and a, and, a, and a challenge. And especially for me because sometimes I revert back to that moment when I prayed in the car on the way to the airport for my little sister and God didn't answer the way I wanted. And then people come to me and they say, Joe, would you pray for me? Would you anoint me and pray for me? 
And I, sometimes I think people think that pastors have got this immediate connection, right? I, think, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but I've had people on an airplane like, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Oh, that's great. We know nothing's going to happen to this flight. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. I don't know, you know? And it's, it's, it's this struggle that we all go through. And this is why this is so big, because of Jesus' reply to John the Baptist. And this is why this has been so encouraging for me this week. And it's taken me a long time to learn these lessons. But again, when we look at real life people who lived and walked and knew Jesus and served Jesus in the Bible, and we see them having those difficulties, those tough times, those unanswered prayers, let's look at Jesus' response. And my prayer is that this will lift you up, that this will encourage you in some way. Because here's what he says in verse 4 of Matthew 11. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. Go back and tell him what you're hearing and seeing. John's in a cell. He can't see beyond the walls of the cell. And then he says, let me give you some specifics to tell John. Tell him that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor, those poor people who love you, who call you their hero. But he doesn't stop there. Not only does he say, look around at all the stuff that's going on. Let me report to you, God, uh, John, that God is doing incredible things outside of the walls of that prison. And then John, get this in verse 6, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John, God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you if you don't fall away on account of what I do or what I don't do. But you're going to leave John in prison? Yeah. But, but hang in there. John, have faith. Blessed is the one who doesn't fall away or stumble on account of me. John, hang in there. Because in the end, it's all worth it. And you may be asking yourself, why would Jesus do that? Why would he, why would he leave his cousin and his friend? I mean, did they have some kind of a family dispute when they were young, right? And he had something against him. He didn't like this cousin. And it's finally coming out. No, because look at what happens in verse 11. Take Take joy in this, guys, because in verse 11, here's what Jesus says. He says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, think about that. That's everybody, right? Thank you. Okay, among the, uh, of those, I'm, a, I'm amazed sometimes of the, the things that they say in Scripture uh, and the way they put it. But he says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there, was, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Up until this point, there's not been anybody better. I mean, this is a guy that I love and I care for deeply. But you're going to leave him in prison? Yeah. And then there's going to be a moment in time, even in my life, Jesus would say, in which I am going to pray to my Father in heaven, God, if there's any other way, remove this cup from me. And I'm going to experience what it's like to not hear from my Father. To know what it's like to know when God is inattentive and uncooperative and even late. And I'm going I'm to continue on that path that he set for me. And I'm going to hang on a cross. You see, so often we attribute God not answering our prayers to how he feels about us. How he feels about us. And this is in your notes, you can write this down. Your personal circumstances do not necessarily coincide with how God feels about you. Because God loved John. 
but he left him in that prison. And God loved Jesus, but he allowed him to hang on a cross. And if you want to know how much God loves you, you don't have to look any further than the cross of Calvary in which God allowed his son to take upon your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. Will we understand everything that ever happens in this world? No, we're not meant to. We're not God's. We can, we can worry until the cows come home trying to figure it out, but we're never going to figure it out. But there are some things you can know. Let me give you some things very quickly as I just kind of wrap this up. Some things that we can learn from an unanswered prayer and from John's life and the story of him in prison. Number one is this, you can ask God. Some people would say, don't ever ask God questions. You know, God loves it when we ask questions. John was bold enough even to write a note or to send messengers to Jesus and ask him a question. What I've learned in my life is sometimes it's, instead of asking why, what I need to ask is what. God, what would you have me to learn in this circumstance? I can tell you I learned a lot of lessons through my sister's passing. I'd do just about anything to have her back. But I'm at a point finally in my life where I am thankful for the lessons I learned. And one of the greatest lessons I learned is that through that entire time, even though I felt God might be silent during my prayer time before, is that he was with me the entire time. And at the moments I couldn't hear him, those were the moments he was carrying me. Those moments I didn't feel like I could take another step. It was him who was giving me the strength and the peace and the hope. And it may not happen right when you're in the midst of that prison cell, but it, it will come if you stay faithful. And God, Jesus gave that message to John when he said, Blessed is the man who does not fall away because of me. The second thing is this, you can look back and remember. Look back and remember. Just because God's not answering your prayer right now today, doesn't mean it negates every prayer he's ever answered in your life. Think back to the prayers that he has answered, those moments in which God has moved and worked in your life. And give thanks for those and let that be a faith builder for you. This is what he told John to do. The next thing is we can look outside of our circumstances and reflect and reflect. Jesus told John all that was going on, all the miracles of God. And the tough thing for us is when we're in the midst of a difficulty, when we're kind of feeling the walls crush in on us, it's hard to see outside of that situation. It's hard for us to see what God is doing in other people's lives. It's hard for us to see even how God can use us to impact other people's lives. Because when you're in that much hurt and you're in that much pain and you're even doubting, your focus is on you and it's very difficult to move past that. But even Jesus told John, he said, John, you need to know what's happening. You need to know what's going on. And this is why finding a place to serve and to give back makes such a big difference in your life. This is why going on a missions trip and getting outside of your comfort zone and going on the other side of the planet and seeing how God is moving and working can be a life changer for you. It can be a game changer for you. And the last thing I want to tell you is don't stop asking. Don't stop praying. I still believe in a God who loves me and loves you who gave his only son for you. I still believe in a God who answers prayers, big prayers. I'm praying some big prayers in my life right now. I've just learned that God doesn't always answer them the way that I want him to. 
Sometimes he's silent. It doesn't mean he's not there. It doesn't mean he's absent. It doesn't mean he's inattentive or uncooperative or late. God still loves us. And he still wants to do incredible things through us. We don't need to stop asking. We've got to remember, our current circumstances are not necessarily a reflection of how God views us.